Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to another episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and I'm joined with a good friend of mine who happens to also be an author. And we we go back quite a few years. My friend's name is Chris Bollinger. Chris calls himself an average Joe Christian, but he likes to write for guys. So he's really into writing men's devotionals. This is kind of fascinating because when I knew Chris, he wasn't in this kind of business. He was working as a product manager. There was a time when he he spent close to 30 years working in the high tech industry, but then he wanted to help small churches coming alongside their, the, the, their pastors and leaders, but that venture didn't work out so well. Since then, he has been the executive producer of a film called The Song, which I'm going to ask him about, but then he decided to write a men's devotional. Now, Chris and I know each other fairly well because we spent two years together in a men's discipleship program called CLC back in, I believe, 2013. But to my knowledge, Chris, you were not an author then. You had not written any books. So just briefly introduce yourself to our audience. Who is Chris Bollinger and how did you become an author? (laughs) Well, really, uh, you mentioned CLC and and that is really what made me an author. So I'll, I'll give everybody a little backstory. So um, you and I met, yeah, I think it was 2012 or 2013, we got started with CLC. CLC now stands for Christ-led communities. It used to stand for something else, but it's it's a men's discipleship ministry that's been going on for, I think, 40 years now. Um, and the sales pitch for CLC was pretty tough back when we went through it because um, it was, they had one program, it was two years, it was two hours every week you got together, um, and there was a lot of work outside the meeting time. So I, <laughs> when when daily, I found out daily, about this- Daily homework, daily oh, homework. Oh, yeah, yeah, reading your Bible, memorizing 50 Bible verses, um, reading other books like Mere Christianity and um, books by Tozer and other great authors. Um but the sales pitch, I mean, when I heard it, I, I went to a meeting. I'm not sure if you were in the same meeting, but at Christ Community Chapel in Hudson, they had a meeting of men that might be interested in this. And they and they kind of laid out the program. <laughs> and I said, oh, my gosh, what a huge commitment. I mean, I'd never done anything close to this. I had done Bible studies in small groups, nothing like this. Um, but I was at a point in my life where, you know, I could count the number of close male friends who were Christians on like two fingers. You know, I just, I, I, I knew a lot of men. I went to church with a lot of men. I worked with a lot of men. I played tennis with a lot of men really did not connect with men at any kind of a level below surface level. And I, I will spell spare the audience, all the details, but suffice it to say that I, I was very wary of having close friendships with men. Um, I viewed men as competitors in the workplace and, um, just really didn't know how to be myself and to be open and, and honest with men. So then I decided to do CLC. Um, we started off the program by basically talking about ourselves. I think it was about an hour, an hour per guy. And, you know, when you start, when you have a group like this, you realize that, you know, guys are the same. I mean, we all have different issues and, you know, but I was intimidated by men until I got in this group. And I realized that, you know, men are just like me. They've got, they've got their strengths, their weaknesses, and we all need prayer and we all need each other. We need, we need Christ, but we also need the support and, and friendship of other men. So I went through CLC with you for two years and then I did a, they had just come out with a follow-on program called uh, Next Step. So I don't think you did that, right? 
No, I was, I, I remember I moved out of town. Oh yeah. For, you you went to Hawaii. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you were gone. So, um, like six of us did that next program and took us about three and a half years total between the two programs. And so in 2016, I found myself without CLC. We, we had, we had done all that they offered. <laughs> they, we had their two programs all done. Um, and I kind of went back to my, you know, graduated, <laughs> right. We were CLC grads. And I, I kind of went back to my old ways where, you know, I wasn't reading my Bible every day and I, I wasn't hanging out with men and I was just kind of going back into my, my shell a little bit. And I said, well, let me, let me find a good devotional. Cause you know, I thought a devotional would kind of kickstart me and get me back into the word. And so I looked for a couple of months and I just couldn't find one that I really liked. I wanted something that was, um, that was encouraging. And I found that a lot of men's devotionals were more prescriptive, like, you know, do this, don't do this versus encouraging. And I, but I also wanted it to be challenging because I, I like the challenge of CLC. So at the beginning, end of 2016, I said, well, I'll write a devotional. <laughs> How hard could it be? You know, and um, I discovered that it was actually very, very difficult. Um, but once I started doing it, um, I found two things. One, um, I never felt closer to God than when I was doing this. I mean, you know, sit down and and look at a pa- I, I I picked a bunch of encouraging passages from the Bible, and then I thought, well, what am I going to write about this passage? And just contemplating it and praying about it, um, I just felt really close to God. I mean, there were some days where the words flowed freely. There were some day- days where they didn't come very quickly. But um, it was just a great experience for me personally. And I also found um, that I was getting back into the Bible. And about a third of the way into the project, I decided just to do Old Testament verses. Um, Because I had done most of the devotionals, most of the devotions that I had done to that point were Old Testament. So, um, and that became an interesting challenge because... (laughs) I had read the New Testament quite a bit, but I really hadn't read a lot of the Old Testament. And I I was committed to having at least one passage from each Old Testament book. So the entire year 2017 was basically writing this book. And um and a little later on I'll talk about getting it published and and all that. You start you asked me about myself and I started talking about CLC in the book. Um, I, I do consider myself an average Joe when it comes to most things, including the Christian faith. I mean, I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm, you know, I've never had a staff position at a church. Um, I've been a Christian, you know, for as long as I can remember and, you know, rededicated myself, my life to Christ, uh, as an early adult. Um, but, um, I try to write for guys like me, you know, I, I try to write for guys who are kind of kicking tires on their faith. They're, they're kind of on the sidelines, if you will, if you want to use a sports analogy where they know they should be doing more, they know they should be following Christ more closely, you know, being a better leader of the family, but they're just kind of hesitant to, to do that. So I, I write for guys like that because that's the way that I've been most of my adult life. And what I try to do is just encourage men that whether you look at men in the Bible or, you know, just people in their lives, um, most people are struggling in some ways. Um, and, even the men of the Bible were just ordinary guys. I mean, God used them to do amazing things, but, um, you know, most of the disciples and most of most characters in the Bible were not extraordinary people. They were very ordinary people. And yes. so that's, that's what I try to do in my writings. I, I, I write devotionals. I write for some publications online. Um, and I, I do a podcast with another guy who is a, a CLC guy. And just really enjoying telling other people's stories to point people to Christ and the work that he does in ordinary people's lives. That's awesome. Isn't it isn't it amazing when you make a small decision, like when you made that decision to do that CLC program, 
like that was life changing. That puts you on a whole right. another direction. Yeah. Changed and my life. You, seriously. Had, had you yeah. been like, no, nah, not for me. Too, too big of a commitment, which I, by the way, I tried to recruit some of my friends to, to join our group <laughs> and I had the same roadblocks, like two years. I can't yeah. commit to a Bible study for two years. And, uh, but I'm so glad I did it. Um, it, it was, it was great because you really do realize that, um, because most men, if we're honest, are lonely. Like yep. we, we feel lonely because, because like you said, we are so competitive. Um, we're afraid to show that we're insecure and, and, and what's great about this group is 12 guys getting together for two years uh, on a weekly basis for two hours and just sharing our lives together. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really powerful. And I, I was, I was excited to join it, you know, because as, as a navigator staff, you know, I'm real big on disciple making and discipleship. And I, I kind of knew that this is going to be a great experience. But when I tried to recruit other guys to it, it was, it was challenging. It was hard, but I'm so glad you did it, Chris. So Chris, yeah, me too. Uh, you, you were in 27 years in the high tech industry you're a product manager. I'm just trying to get from the point where you were trying to find a good devotional. You couldn't find one. And then you just decide, I'm going to write a devotional. I mean, that's not usual. Right. So um, is, is some of that because you were a product manager? Like you you just all of a sudden made this like your project? Yeah, a little bit of it is. I mean, um, I started off my uh, career, mostly for software companies. I started off as an engineer and I just, frankly, I just couldn't cut it as an engineer. I was an okay engineer, but I, I, I wasn't as good as most of the guys around me. And so I went back, got my, uh, MBA and, uh, moved into product management. And I really liked it because it got me, and I'm naturally an introvert. It got me out in front of customers. So I had to, I had to overcome some fears in doing that. But um, the the goal of the job is to find out what customers really need, not what they say they want, but what they really need. And then to go back to the development team and say, can we build this? People are asking for this. Can, can we build it? And can we build it in a way that's better than our competitors can offer? And I had the good fortune of working for some really good software companies. So usually our product was the best in the market for, you know, it was, it was niche um, computer stuff, but it was really um, for the businesses that we sold to, we, we had the best product in the market. And so I kind of had this mindset of um, find what people need, you know, fi find a need and then fill the need. That was really the, the back half of my career. And at the very end of my career, Five of us left Cisco Systems, which um, made our wives kind of upset because we all had kind of cushy jobs working for Cisco, which is a big tech company based in Silicon Valley. And we were in Ohio doing Wi-Fi stuff, but there was no future in it in Cisco. So we started our own Wi-Fi company in Akron. And that was a great experience for me because then I really had to, you know, there were just five of us. Um I really had to get to know the customers at an intimate level and really find out what they needed and what we could do to meet those needs. So um, when I left high tech, I still had this product management mindset. And so I think the reason, one of the reasons that I wrote the book was I did see a need, you know, not only in me, you know, I, I couldn't find a devotional that I liked, but I figured if, if, I can't find one. There's probably a lot of other guys out there that can't find one as well because the devotional market, like the book market in general, is primarily um, products that are marketed to women. And even with men's devotionals, what most publishers do is they try to attract the wife. So she'll pick this up and she'll give it to her husband. Now, the husband may say thank you very much and put it on the shelf and never look at it, but they got a sale anyway, right? So part of me wanted to offer something that men would want themselves and, and would actually read. Um, now, truth be told, a lot of my book sales have been to women because it's a very attractive book. My first book, Daily Strength for Men, it's got a beautiful 
uh, faux leather cover on it. You open it up, it's it's printed on very nice pages. It has a great look and feel. And so there, yeah, you're holding it up. So um, about half my sales have come on the inspirational reading racks that you'll see in a supermarket or a gas station. Uh, people have seen it on the Turnpike, uh, the Ohio Turnpike, um, you know, they're at, uh, CVS. And so, you know, people will be looking for a gift for um, a husband or a son, and they'll they'll pick it up and give it as a gift. So I don't want to be smirch women buying books because that's great, you know, but um, I do think that that was the only bridge I can think of between my high tech job, which really did not involve much writing and never writing for individual people. It was always, you know, business to business with my transition to an author. I think it's that I was just trying to be a good product manager. Well, let me, let me say, you know, um, I have both of your books here for somebody who didn't go to journalism school, you know, wasn't set out, you know, wasn't necessarily trying to become an author. These are excellent books. You did a great job. Um, I was just reading um, in the daily strength for men. It starts out uh -huh. in Genesis, you know, chapter one, verse one, the first verse of the Bible. Um, I read, I read the first couple days, you know, uh, what it means to be made in the image of God. You've got some great content there. And it seems like you do a good job just kind of grabbing some of the best content out there from, from. Yeah. Uh, I steal, I steal from everybody. <laughs> well, and that's good because there's a lot yeah. of, there's, it's better that it's not just, um, you know, many, many minds. Um, originality is the art of forgetting your source. Right. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> somebody told me that. That's very good. I've never heard that before. That's ex That's excellent. So I can't remember who said that. So it must be original with me. <laughs> so you can say Greg Bryan said originality. Yeah, you should copyright <laughs> that. <laughs> um, how long does it take you to write a book? Um, the first one took me about a year. Um, it took me. Which I think is that's pretty amazing. I mean, that is I don't think that's normal to be able to. I mean, that's the 365 day devotional. Right. You wrote that in one um, year. Well, my daughter, uh, my daughter, Hope, I have two daughters. Um, my middle child, she writes uh, Christian fiction, and she can literally write a 300-page novel in like two weeks. I I can't do I mean, it takes me a year to I mean, yeah, it, it, I think a year is probably about average. I've talked to guys who have taken, you know, five, six years to write a book, and then there are some guys who can write three or four a year. I... I the second book, 52 Weeks of Strength for Men, um, it's a little different format. So it's not a uh, devotion every day or every other day. It's one per week. Um, that took me about six months. And the way that I write, I mean, I, I said that I steal from the best. I, again, going back to my days working as a product manager, um, I like doing research. I like reading stuff. I like I like getting online. I like seeing what different people say about something. And then I try to give a fresh perspective, even on stuff that I've read. So um, for my second book, I was looking at, um, I think it was patience as one of the topics. And um, the Kurt Warner movie came out after I wrote the book, but I think I had read something on it. And, you know, Kurt Warner's this famous story of a guy that, you know, he, he played one good year of college football quarterback and then, you know, no pro team would look at him, ends up, I think, stocking shelves in a grocery store or something like that. And then, you know, the miracle story, he ends up playing for what was then the St. Louis Rams and goes to the Super Bowl, MVP of the Super Bowl, all in like one or two years. Fantastic story. But what I, what I thought about was, um, you know, what about the guys who are very talented and never really get their shot? So I was reading this article, uh, I think it was Sports Illustrated or ESPN, about a guy that had been in the minor leagues of baseball for like 16, 17 years. And uh, at the time of the um, articles being written on him, he still hadn't made it to the majors. And so, you know, why does somebody continue to do that? And and I mean, you know, my stories are not always about Christians. And in this particular case, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but the gospel 
you know, the Bible just, it it's, you see it in all these stories. I mean, and this guy said that he just loved, he, he, he was playing a kid's game as an adult and he just, the joy was in the journey for him. You know, he, he just, he saw, he saw God's handiwork in, in being allowed to do something like that, you know, even though he was just in the minors after the, after those stories, he ended up going to the majors, but I think he only came to bat like 12 times. And then that was it for, you know, it reminded me of field of dreams where the, the one guy, you know, um, who is a doctor in the movie, you know, he got called up to the majors once back in like the twenties or thirties and then never got to go to the plate, you know, and, his line, you know, in the movie was, um, you know, somebody said how heartbreaking for you to never have gotten a chance to hit in the major leagues. And he said, he became a doctor and he said, no, the true heartbreak would have been if I hadn't become a doctor, you know, I hadn't saved people's lives. So I think a lot of times we get caught up in where we want to go with life and we lose sight of where God wants to take us and enjoying where God has us, even if we're in a difficult place. I mean, God has, has us there for a reason. So I just, I just, I find stories like this. And if something strikes me as really just fascinating or moving, then I, I figure I should pass that along. And that's what I try to do. That's great. Um, speaking of your second book, 52 weeks of strength for men, I, I was looking at, um, the, your, uh, the topic of anger. Uh -huh. and I thought that was really cool that you put that in there. It's pretty, pretty early on in the book that you address men and their anger. And I right. love the, I love the opening story is a little more lighthearted than what you just shared of, <laughs> uh, you know, Hulk and, and, uh, Thor, um, in, in, in the movie Ragnarok, which I love that movie, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That, di that dialogue between Hulk and Thor is great about how Hulk <laughs> says, I always get angry. And, uh, but you do a great job just addressing, you know, uh, the biblical perspective on anger. And and uh, um, so the content I'm just I'm just really impressed with. Do you um, oh, how long did it take you to write the second book? I think it was about six months. I mean, um, the writing process ends up being really long because when you think you're done, <laughs> <laughs> that's when it's just beginning because, you know, you have to proofread and it's, it's helpful to have somebody else proofread. And then if you get the good fortune of having a publisher accept your manuscript, well, you may have to make a lot of changes to suit the publisher's needs. My first book, I'd never written one before. I had no idea what format I should use. So I ended up having to shorten almost every one of my devotions by like 30%. So I had to go and cut, cut, cut because it wow. just didn't fit in the, on, on the page. Um, and then the other funny thing was um, I thought it was a great idea because I love music. A, a really easy devotion for me to write would be to bring up a topic, you know, have a Bible verse, bring up a topic related to the verse. And then here, here's a song with great lyrics that applies to this particular passage. You can't do that. They're all copyrighted. <laughs> uh, so I had literally, I had like 20 of my devotions in the first book that were just basically very little of Chris's input and then long song lyrics. And, they, and the publisher said, um, you have to, you have to change all of it. I had to rewrite all of them. So, um, so that's why I think I, I was done with the original draft of daily strength for men in about seven or eight months, but then rewriting a lot of it and then i had a deadline so that became pretty challenging to you know when you've got a when you've got the when the clock's running and you've got to get stuff done it's it's difficult but i i've i enjoyed it in some ways because it really kept me sharp in terms of you know okay i've got to make it fit and i've got to be crisp and clear in what i'm writing so but truth be told, I'd rather not have a deadline hanging over my head. <laughs> have a so little more time. Does does writing energize you or exhaust you? Um, I think that for the most part, it energizes me, especially when I have time. You know, if I if I'm sitting down and I'm you know just in the early stages of writing a book, 
then I'm having a ton of fun because I'm, I'm researching stuff. I'm saying, oh yeah, I can use this here. And I'm kind of slotting stuff and putting it on the schedule late in the game or during the editing process. I think it exhausts me just because um, you've got to just, you've got to read very, very carefully to try to catch errors. And I'm terrible at reading my own stuff. And after a while, I don't want to read it anymore. <laughs> I yeah. wrote it and I've read it like 10 times. I don't read it anymore. So I, I failed to catch a lot of typos in the second book um, until very, very late. Okay, so here's a question for you. So what was one of the most surprising things you learned in creating your books? Um, I would say, I don't know if it's surprising so much, but I, I, I try to be very thoughtful. Um, mostly because I'm hiding behind other people and other, I don't think people really care what I think for the most part. I mean, who am I? I'm, I'm just some unknown guy who, you know, spends half the year in Ohio and half the year in Florida. So I, I try to be very balanced in what I present. I want it to be, you know, biblically styled, but I also want it to be engaging for the reader. And I want the reader to think, um, and so um, I think what has surprised me quite a bit is how difficult it is to write questions at the end of a devotion, because mm. I always, CLC taught me that. I mean, you know, the best thing about CLC is that you get questions and you have a discussion. And I think you learn a lot by really grappling with questions. So um yeah, it's it's hard to write questions because you have to kind of reopen the whole thought process and say, okay, if I were reading this, you know, what would I want to be challenged with, or, or what might draw more out of this content with a question? Um, but what I guess surprised me the most is how tough it is to answer your own questions. So I wrote all the questions for Daily Strength for Men, and there's questions in 52 weeks as well. But then my wife and I were looking for a couple's devotional and I said, well, let's, let's just do mine. We couldn't find one that we like, so we'll just do mine. It's written for men, but we can do it as a couple. So now I had to answer my own questions in front of my <laughs> wife. <laughs> that was very, very difficult in many cases, just because, I, I mean, I had the luxury of not have really having to answer them when I wrote them. Oh, this will be a tough one. I'll, I'll, I'll make guys answer this one. Now I have to answer it. Um. So I would say that um, that was a bit surprising, but it was rewarding in a way because I, my wife and I, you know, she's she's a, a good critic. You know, she and I'll read something that I've written and, and we'll kind of laugh about it because, you know, it sounded different when I wrote it. But there were some questions that were just ended up, I thought were kind of stupid questions that I had in there. So we'd laugh about the stupid ones, but then we'd encounter a question that was really thought provoking. And I think that was kind of surprising how much you could get out of a single question that was at the end of a devotion and a couple of Bible passages. What would you say is your interesting writing quirk? Do you have a, is there any like quirks that, that kind of get you into the, the writing frame of mind? Um, Like I have to be at a certain desk or I have to, you know, it has to be between this. Is there a certain time of day where you have to? Yeah, that's a good question. What would um, your wife say? What would your wife say would be your quirks when it comes to your writing? I think I like to kind of hide when I write. I, I, my son is the opposite. If my son has, you know, schoolwork to do or he's writing a paper, he wants to be in a coffee shop with a bunch of noise around him. And I just, I don't work that way. There are times where I can do that. I might have music on at times, but usually I want to have a quiet place without interruptions. And for me, I guess my quirk is that I take an awful long time to get started. I almost have to I have to write the first paragraph or two and it has to be exactly right. And then I can write the rest. I, I know some people kind of lay things down or, or they'll just kind of type and type and type. They'll just write and write and write and then they'll kind of piece it together later on or they'll refine it. 
and I'm not that way. I just, I, I, I kind of have to, it's almost a hill of my own making. I have to get over the first hill. And then once I've done that, then I can, I can write more freely. Did you ever experience yeah. writer's block? Yeah. Um, and how and, long did that last? Um, a couple of days. Um, and again, it helps not to be on a deadline. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hate wasting time, but there, there are some days I, I can't just stare at a blank screen. I mean, you know, used to be you'd stare at a blank piece of paper, but now I'm writing on a computer. So if I can't think of something for a while, then I'll go do some research or I'll, you know, read the Bible or I'll do something else just to kind of get things going. But I don't want to get super frustrated, but I also don't want to walk away. So I, I do want to get something down on paper. So if I'm having writer's block on one thing, then because I'm doing a devotional, maybe I can jump to a different topic and, and accomplish something there. That's why I don't know how my daughter writes novels. Cause if I, if I was writing a novel and I had writer's block, I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, you know, if you're stuck, I, I don't, I don't know how she gets, but she apparently never has it because she writes a whole novel in a couple of weeks. So I, I just, I, I envision some, I envision sparks coming off the keys when she's writing. Cause she's just writing so fast. It's just unbelievable. That's amazing. That's amazing. Does she help you at all? Has she helped you at all in any of these books? She did. Yeah. She helped me a lot, especially with the first one. Um, she wrote all the prayers in the first one <laughs> because I <laughs> joke that I, I can't write prayers. You know, I spent, I take all this energy and put it in the devotion and I, I make sure that I get the, you know, the Bible passages that I want. And I'm real, I'm real happy with it. And I, I spend time on the questions and then I've got to write a prayer and it's like, oh, I can't write the prayer. I, I you know, nothing's coming to mind. So I guess I have writer's block on prayers. So she did, <laughs> she did all of those for the first one. They're um, real nice then, too. They're just, they're simple. Yeah. They're like yeah, two real, sentence prayers. Yep. But they're, which they're, is what I wanted. I mean, that's kind of, I gave her some guidance and I said, you know, well, for space reasons as well, it's just for, I like, I like short to the point prayers. I I'm, I'm not a flowery prayer. Um, and, um, the other thing she helped me with was, um, even though she was in college at the time, she's become a real expert on the publishing industry. And she had a lot of contacts in the publishing industry and knew how you submit things to publishers for them to consider it. So, um, I don't remember if she connected me to the publisher that I ended up getting, but she certainly helped me get some good proposals out there and feel more confident that I might get it published. It's interesting because you do have two different, you, you have, so as of this interview, you have published two books, right? Okay. You've published two books, two different publishers, right? Right, right. And explain to people why two different publishers, because I would think once you're hooked in with one, that they would just gra grab your, you know. Yeah, right. Um, I think that happens for some people. <laughs> um, <laughs> publishing is, it's a very, getting a book published is very, very difficult. Now, that being said, you can self-publish a book and it's very, very easy. Um and um, it doesn't cost you anything. I mean, there are there's different ways to publish. You can self-publish with, uh, they're called hybrid publishers, and they might charge you a flat fee to give you marketing and to give you editing, give you other services. But you can go on the Kindle system, the Amazon system, and you can publish your book literally for free. Um, you can design your own cover. You can lay your book out. And it will be available on Amazon worldwide and it costs you nothing. And you get and you get revenue from it. If you sell a book, you get a percentage. I think it's less than 30%, but it's not bad. But the downside of self-publishing is that typically a self-published author will sell maybe a couple hundred copies of a book. Mm. And if your goal is to have a bigger reach than that, and you ever go to a traditional publisher after having self-published, they pretty much won't talk to you because they'll say, well, have you written any other books? And you say, oh, yeah, I've written three. How'd they do? Well, I sold, you know, 200 copies of each. And they say, well, you know, we're not interested. So in my case, I was 
I was extremely fortunate to get Broad Street as my publisher. There are people who work for publishers called, um, uh, I think it's development. Their job is development. Um, that may be wrong. It may be the wrong term, but they basically are, they're on the, on the prowl. They're scouting for potential books that the publisher might publish. And um, the guy who was in that role at Broad Street in late 2017, he saw my proposal and he liked it and he gave me a shot. And that happens very, very rarely. Um, so I was very blessed to have that with Broad Street. But I thought the same thing you thought when, when the book um, started selling well. Because the book, so the, that book, that book has. Let's talk about it. That book has sold well over one hundred fifty thousand copies, right? Yeah, it's it's two hundred fifty thousand now. Yeah, it's two hundred fifty. That copies. one book of that one book. Yeah, okay. it's just now, been unbelievable. I have heard that ninety percent, or there's some crazy statistic like ninety percent of all books published never sell more than five thousand copies. Is that the right. statistic? Yeah, does that yeah, sound that's, right? That's what I've heard. Yeah. At ninety percent, never sell more than five thousand. Yeah. This book has sold two hundred fifty thousand. So why aren't they just like? Did you try to? Did you try to publish your second book with them? I went with. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't have a proposal for them per se, but I I went to them a couple of years after the book was published, and I said, "Look, the book's doing really well. Um, would you like? Would you like me to do another one? I could do more daily strength for men, or you know, I could." We could play off the title. And they said no. <laughs> and um I was kind of taken aback. And I I think I followed up at some point, but I never really got a good answer as to why. Now I have my suspicions, and my suspicion is that um the publisher does a lot of devotionals and they all they have a terrific team. So the, you know, they all, the books all look great. The, the, um, the inside outside terrific quality. Um, and they sell a lot of books on they've got that the inspirational because, racks. They've got that niche, right? Because yep, I mean, I've got I've the seen niche, them, right? I've, I've seen them in the stores, you know, they have those racks yep. Yep. and if, and a lot of times I'm pulled over to those racks because of the covers, because yep. of the, because you can tell they, they're, they're just set apart a little bit. Yep. They, they, I don't, I haven't studied it, but I have to believe that Broad Street does very, very well in that niche because a lot of the books on the choice books, inspirational reading racks are from Broad Street. They look great. They're very high quality. As an author, I think that my book is popular because it's got good content. And I think that plays into it. But I think, like I said earlier, you can't dispute that the the beautiful quality of the book certainly helps with the sales. And I think it helps with people's impression. I mean, you know, you can get an ebook of anything these days, but when you have a nice leather bound book with, you know, beautiful quality, it just seems better. You know, for, for me, at least I'd rather have that kind of a book. So I think that Broad Street basically can do that type of business without my help is the bottom line. I mean, the book's done great. I'm sure Broad Street's very happy, but I think that Broad Street probably figured, well, we can do other books in this genre that will do pretty well too. And we don't need, we don't need the hassles of working with Chris. <laughs> Cause like well, they, I said, I mean, I, I was a complete moron when we came, you know, so I, I think it, we came pretty close to missing the deadline when when it came down to it because I was furiously rewriting devotions and trying to get stuff to fit. And I think that's that's got to be draining on a publisher to have to deal with an author who doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, that's amazing. So I found I found Crosslink. Um, Crosslink is a small publisher actually out of South Dakota. And um, again, was blessed to get a contract with them for 50, 52 weeks. Um, but that particular book doesn't have a leather cover. And so you're probably not going to find it on the choice books rack. You know, you're probably, you're more likely to order that one online. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might find it in a Christian bookstore, but let's face it. How many Christian bookstores are there these days? You know, they're not on every corner, you know, there's, 
a couple in Northeast Ohio. There's a couple in Southwest Florida, but there's just not as many as there used to be. Right. So most people buy their books online. And these days, a lot of people are going with, um, with eBooks just because they're cheaper and they're, and they're easier. The thing that you got going for you on, on on this book though, is, is the forward is by Kyle Eidelman. Yeah. That, I mean, I mean, he's, he's very well known. So yeah, that, and you got it right on the front there. I mean, uh, is this, is this book doing okay? It's doing okay. Uh, it's just, I've been so spoiled by, by the daily strength for men that, you know, I don't know if any book I could write could, could I'll even come close one. to how that one's done. Um, Which that brings me to a question, Chris, what do you consider literary, literary success to look like? Like what, what do you, what do you want? What do you, you know, you've put these out here. What, what does success look like for you? I have to remind myself that that's a question where I really need to think about what God wants for this. Um, And I say that because, you know, the sales have been great. I get a royalty, not a huge one, but I get a royalty on every book. So, you know, that's, that's great for me, but it's the, it's the emails that I get. It's the it's the people I talk to occasionally um, who say, this book had a big impact on me. Um, I got one a week or two ago from a guy who really liked the book, like Daily Strength for Men. He had written me before and told me how, how much he enjoyed it, how, how much it had helped him in his walk with Christ. And I was emailing people that had purchased books just to let them know about 52 weeks and, you know, um, contact me if they had any questions. And he wrote me back and he said that um, he's friends with a guy who's not a Christian. And I think that they do bicycling together. They do some activity together. And he's always been trying to approach this guy to talk to him about Jesus and just didn't didn't know, you know, was wasn't sure how to do it. And he said the Holy Spirit was prompting him to give this guy my book. So he did. And still, that took some courage. I mean, he didn't know how the guy would react because they really haven't talked about anything spiritual. And he said the guy really likes the book. And now he can talk to this guy about spiritual stuff. And it's, you know, it's it's broken the ice. And to me, that's just that's success, right? I mean, that's that's success in in eternal terms, right? And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter how many people buy my book. I get one of those stories, right? And it something I've done, God's, God's used something I did to bless somebody else and potentially to help somebody evangelize a friend and bring him into the kingdom of God. So that's now I'll complain as much as the next person about how my book's not selling. You know, I mean, I'd love my book to sell well, but if I right, if so I what I hear you saying is su- success has changed lives, and right. I feel I feel the same way. I mean, that's part of the reason why I do this podcast is like I'm just you know trusting that maybe something in the podcast is going to change somebody's life, you, yep. you know, um, bring them to faith or deepen their faith or. I mean, here, this is a really interesting interview because you're a guy that you never set out to be an author. Right. And um, basically, you know, this kind of calling kind of found you, you know, at, at a at a really interesting time in your life. So one of my questions was going to be, do you hear from your readers much? And you just shared a story about hearing from one of your readers. So does that happen a lot? Um, Not a lot. Um. I don't, and I don't blame people. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever contacted an author except for Kyle Eidelman. And that's a long story that I won't tell, but I ended up getting to meet him, um, back in 2014, 2015. And he was gracious enough to agree to write the forward in my second book. Um, cause he's just a great guy. Um, but, uh, I do get contacted, I think more by people when I write an article. So I write I write articles for crosswalk.com, which is a Salem online media publication. And I'm also writing for biblical leadership. I'm doing some devotions for them. Um, when I write on uh, a topic, um, you know, one of them I've written on is divorce. Um, 
I'll get guys contact emailing me. They see my contact information at, at the bottom of the article and they just share heartbreaking stories. You know, I, I think I've gotten more emails on the topic of divorce than anything else I've written on and uh, any of my devotionals. Um, but to me, that's an indication that, like we said at the outset of the show, a lot of guys are lonely. They're, they're going at life on their own, right? They don't have anybody they can confide in. Um, even if they're, if they're Christians and they go through something tough, they don't perceive that they have somebody at their church or in their life that they can, they can sit down with and confide in or ask for help. So they, they contact somebody they've never met who wrote an article. I mean, they don't know me, but I mean, sometimes they contact me multiple times and, you know, they ask me what I think and, I'm always very careful not to give them advice. Um, I try to point them to the Bible. I try to point them to Christ. Um, in some cases, I I say you really should get a counselor or you should find somebody at your church to talk to your pastor. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that men in general are just struggling. They're 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 going at life alone or with very few brothers around them and we're just not we're not supposed to do that yeah um so i just have a couple more things and we'll wrap up um, okay you have two books published do you ever read your book reviews yeah yeah i do <laughs> what um, is that like for you it's 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 um for the most part it's again you know i I'm not the most humble guy, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm really a nobody when it comes to the, you know, to writing books. So just to read a a review where somebody says, wow, this book is great. You know, in some cases they'll say my son really likes it. My husband really likes it. Sometimes they get more personal. You know, this has really helped me. Those, those mean the world to me, but there are some funny ones. Um, I have one review on Amazon in the UK (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a guy a guy bought like three or four copies for everybody in his family and he hates it <laughs> he says it's poor, poorly written he gives it two stars out of five and you know that's my only review in the uk so apparently it's not doing well in the uk <laughs> and then i have um i have one guy that that reviewed it and said um you know, I read somewhere that this is only Old Testament verses, and that's not true because what I do is the main verse for uh, a devotion is the Old Testament, but then I'll bring in a New Testament passage to go along with the Old Testament passage. So he said, this is not just Old Testament, and he really liked the book. And then a different guy recently was complaining because he says the book has no New Testament passages, no gospel in it. Um, and so he gave it one star. So. <laughs> it's feast or famine. I either get five stars from somebody who defends the book using the new Testament, or I get one star from somebody who says it doesn't have any new Testament. So you just have to laugh. I mean, you know, if you have somebody that's been reading Oswald chambers, you know, every year for 20 years, right. You know, uh, or, or Charles Spurgeon or something. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. You, I'm glad, I'm glad that you take it that way. You just, um, yeah, yeah, you you do. You just have to laugh because you never know. Um, I'm just know. hoping it. You know, my goal. I'm not the best writer on the planet. My goal is to first and foremost get people into their Bible, but secondly, get them to think. You know, get them to think, and then spark conversations. I mean, my wife and I did it together. With 52 weeks, I'm really hoping that groups of guys will do it. I, I kind of wrote it with the weekly format. I was kind of hoping, and I'm still hoping that groups of guys at a church or guys that, you know, go golfing together or whatever, will just say, Hey, you know, we've been, we've been talking about some stuff. Why don't we get this book and and have a, a weekly discussion about the topics that he provides? So if I if I can get people into their Bible and get them talking with each other and supporting and encouraging each other, then you know that's that's great. It do, doesn't really matter if it's if it's well written or not. I mean, I want it to be well written, but you know, if if I can get people walking more closely with Jesus, just a tiny bit, you know, then that's. I mean, you are connecting them to to the Bible, which is connecting them to the Lord. So. 
The right. daily strength for men is 365 days of devotionals. There's one for every day. I'm curious just about the format. What? May, why did you choose in the second one, the 52 weeks of strength for men? Why did you choose that weekly format? I did it for a couple of reasons. One, um, in daily strength, there are a lot of themes. Um and um, originally, I thought there might be an index in the book. So if you wanted to read about faith, then it would tell you, okay, well, here's the devotions on faith. If you wanted to read on hope or love or peace or anger or some other topic, it would give you a list. We, we couldn't do it. I mean, like I said, we were against the clock just to get the book out. So we, we couldn't have any additional things in there. I think a lot of guys like to read on topics. My my joke on devotionals is that, you know, it's it's kind of like Forrest Gump and a box of chocolates. You know, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, just because it's April 3rd, you have no idea what's going to be the devotion for April 3rd, what the verse is going to be. It's just no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And so I thought with a weekly format, I still have seven passages for them to read, but it's all topical. And so I thought that guys, either as individuals or small groups of guys could say, Hey, you know, the first 13 weeks in this are about the nature of God. The second 13 weeks are on God in your day-to-day -day life. Then there's big topics and then there's tough topics. You can do it as a as a study with a couple couple of buddies. And you know, you can do whatever you want. I mean, if you if you want to skip a topic, if you want to spend a couple of weeks on a topic, that's up to you. But that was really my goal is a little meatier on the devotion side. Um, there are two and a half pages per devotion instead of just one. Um, but really getting into some of these topics in a little more depth while not overloading guys with, you know, a lot of reading. So mm. that was my, it was something, it was something new. One thing I try to do um, is do something different. You yeah. know, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Like I, the the first one is all Old Testament. I I had not seen a devotional that was all Old Testament verses, so I thought, what the heck? Let's let's try it and see see how it does. And um, so the second one, I've seen a couple of fifty two week format books out there, but very few. So I thought, well, we'll give it a try and see if if people like. It. If they don't like it, then I'll do something different next time. Hmm. I like that. And you know, when you're <laughs> Uh, I think that's probably part, one of the keys to your success is that you're willing to try something different and willing to fail. I mean, you, 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 right. uh, when we knew each other and we were in CLC, you, you really had a heart for small churches and you were really trying to come alongside and help them. And that project didn't work. It just, that was an absolute failure. And you mentioned the song earlier on. And I, you know, I was an executive producer on the song, which is the best Christian movie that nobody ever saw. <laughs> um, you know, fantastic what? movie, right? Is it is it and out there? Is it on YouTube? It, it, it came out. You can find it in a couple places. Um, it used to be on DVD, but fabulous movie. You know, I got to know the people, the creative team behind it. You know, producer, director, the writer, all wonderful people, and the movie just bombed. So, I, I you know, after I retired from high tech, I went through this sequence of trying stuff. And this was probably, you know, God waiting for me to rely on him, you know, instead of on my own. But I, I, I tried the small church thing. I tried the investing in the movie. I tried investing in another project that was uh, multimedia based, all complete failures. But, you know. What year was the movie put out? 2014. 2014. I wonder, yeah. it seems like today's with the Phantom uh, the way they're doing some of these Christian movies and showing them, yeah, that, I wonder if it would do better to in today's um, kind of atmosphere and how they're how they're you know promoting smaller films. Um, but There's you're saying it's out there. If if yeah. if you Google uh, the song, it's out there. You the people can find it and see it. Yeah. I, I, what is I'd the, love what for is the basic? To see it. What is the two sentence it's, plot line? Uh, it's basically um, Solomon, King Solomon, um, set in modern time as a singer. So um, his dad is David King, who's a famous country singer. Um, and then he's Jedediah, 
he's Jed King, but you know, as you know, Jedediah is the other name for Solomon. And it's, it's supposedly based on the song of Solomon, but it's really more based on Ecclesiastes. Mm. And it's a very, it's a very gritty movie. Uh, you know, it, it really, you know, he gets in, you know, shows his temptations. Um, and, but it's a very, you know, redeeming movie at the end. And I just thought it was such a clever script and so well done, but you know, that's, that's movies, you know, you'll have, you'll have a very well-written movie that does terribly. And then you'll have a movie that's in my opinion, not very good. And it makes, you know, hundred million dollars. So, um, but you know, I, I learned a lot in that process. And, and like I said, I think it was more the case of God. <laughs> my relationship with God is, you know, God's very patient with me. Eventually God will, you know, take, take, uh, a bat and kind of hit me with the bat or nudge me with the bat to get me doing something. But for the most part, God waits until I wake up and, and decide to follow him and do what he wants me to do. So I appreciate the patience of God and just appreciate the opportunity to be writing these books and these articles and to be used by God to have my written words used by God to, to reach people. That's fantastic. Okay. Two final thoughts. Um, one is, are you working on any future projects? And then how can people get in touch with you? Like if they are interested in learning more uh, or uh, checking out your the books that you've got published, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Maybe start with that and then talk about it. Yeah. Um, I've got a website with a couple different URLs. Um, you can go to chrisbolinger.com if you can remember how to spell my name, but rather than telling you that I would just go to mensdevotionals.com. It's the same website, just, you know, redirects you to the website. So men's devotionals, no apostrophe, cause you can't put that in a URL, but mensdevotionals.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Twitter, although I don't spend much time on Twitter because <laughs> Twitter is not my not my jam. Um, and in terms of what I'm working on now, um, I a book that I'd really like to write, and I'm not sure if I will do this this coming year. I'd like to. Um, I'm fascinated by the earliest Christians. Um, you know, I'm I'm finding more and more evidence that um, Christianity kind of exploded on the scene shortly after the resurrection of Jesus. And you know, we talk about w- when were the New Testament books written, and there's arguments about that. But these people very very quickly understood who Jesus is, what his what he had done, and what it meant for them. I mean, they started worshiping on Sundays, um, which we we talk we we take it for granted now. But it was such a dramatic change, and I just I'd like to write. Maybe it'll be a devotional, maybe something else. But I, I'd really like to expose people to what the earliest Christians accomplished, um, because. It's just fascinating to me. My favorite book is Acts. It's always been Acts. I'm just fascinated by what these ordinary people did. You know, I mean, Jesus ascended and, you know, they're staring up at the sky. <laughs> you know, their their leader, their leader ascended and, you know, and then Pentecost comes. But it's just, I think we underplay how extraordinary all of this was in just, you know, a handful of years um, I'm fascinated by Peter and what he did, Mark, Paul, obviously the other disciples, but just, I, I, I'll try to say it real quickly. Uh, I was researching Pilate because there's the one verse in, I think it's Matthew where Pilate's wife comes up to him and says, you know, have nothing to do with this man because I had a dream about him. And I, I started thinking, how did this verse end up in the Bible? You know, how? And the only conclusion I could come to was that Pilate's wife was a Christian because I think she told, she, I think it was commonly known that that had taken place because she had told people. And then I found out that both she and Pontius Pilate himself are, um, 
have been are considered saints by some of the Orthodox churches. So they believe that Pontius Pilate actually became a Christian. And to me, that's just fascinating that, you know, the person who, when we say the creeds, we know he suffered under Pontius Pilate. I mean, and the fact that I can't prove it, but it's possible that the man who sentenced Jesus to die ended up becoming a follower of his. So it's just, so that you can tell I'm excited about it. I don't know if, if this is a book that I can write. I don't know if I can get it published, but I, I think this is a story worth telling to people. So I'm going to try to find a way to do that. Best of luck in the in the future, Chris. And I Thanks, hope we can, we can stay in touch. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.